Well, uh, whether or not this will be the first installment of the Rabbit Tunes podcast on the Rabbit Trails podcast network. Spanning uh, the brand. <laughs> do, you, do you guys have your t-shirts on? <laughs> I'm still waiting for mine. Yeah. yeah. You get that. You get the. You get a gold jacket if you've been on the podcast five times. So awesome. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Well, this we'll is see. a new. This is a new podcast. A new rule. right. So it's your first. It's your first time, Danny. And he's he's a the co-host. Yeah. It's all brand new. It's a, it's all brand new. But I but I do feel good. Um, this reminds me, uh, Garrick, of when you said that um, on, when we were on the Camino and you mentioned that you like being a Presbyterian because in the end you kind of fall underneath the auspices of a, of a denomination with, mm-hmm. you know, the whole, I feel like with this, we kind of fall underneath, we could kind of go off the rails, but we still fall in the, underneath the rabbit trails media that's kind right. of that's empire. Right. That's empire. right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. HR so department of rabbit trails, Inc. That's I, right. I like so that. I, I know that. who to email. Yeah. 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 The, the, yeah. Well, you know, the home office, we can, you know, we'll set, we'll set, we'll send the tapes into the home office. They edit it, they send it out. We, you will not. You, I know that I will not be personally liable because the Rabbit Trails Corporation, <laughs> that's, right. That, that's right. Rabbit Trails right. Podcast Limited, will. Uh... That's right. It'll go down before you do, Danny. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry. I wouldn't worry about any of this. Uh, I I realized that a podcast the other day hadn't shown up in my podcast feed, so I went searching, and this person has stopped doing podcasting. That mm. so um it it was uh it was a sad day. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, it wasn't because I hadn't listened to it in a long time. Uh, but anyway, so so here we here we have it, fellas. Uh, we are rabbit tunes. Rabbit tunes, endeavoring uh-huh. to. We talk a lot about music. We delve into music, or yeah. we flirt around with music. We do flirt, yeah. Uh, never doing a deep dive, and back and forth on our uh, Camino WhatsApp group. One day, uh, we were just uh, hypothesizing. Is that the right word that I'm looking for? Yeah, trying to decide. You were saying I. You would say ideating. Ideating. That, that's true. Uh, it's it's my it's my happy place in life. Um, I was ideating just the other day with Garrick and a few other people about some ridiculous idea. I had to step away because I also have Activator in that mix, and uh, and I was feeling the urge to start doing something with my ideas that was going to open a whole can of worms. So uh, sometimes it's good to walk away. But anyway, so here we are, nonetheless. Uh, Talking about music. Now, I I love music. I feel like I could talk about music, but I feel like you guys are the, um, let's say, uh, experts in this area. No. Experts? Aficionados? Uh, sommier of music? Music uh, things? So yeah. where do you guys want to take this? Because I'm I'm here for the ride and witty comments or lack of witty comments. I feel like if there was a place to start, given, again, the history, not to overstate it, but the great <laughs> musical sub 
uh, context within rabbit trails, I feel like a great place to start because we're all, the three of us are Christians. Mm -hmm. So what better place to start than with a confession? Um, I didn't know Augustine wrote music. So my uh, confession, and I confessed this the other day to our other Camino brethren, uh, we were having dinner together, and I confessed to them that I have not historically been known as a U2 fan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think you mentioned that in the uh, WhatsApp group. That's right. Bono forgives you. (laughs) I hope, I can only hope and pray that Bono would forgive me. (laughs) Both the singer and the goalkeeper for the Moroccan yeah, team. Yeah, that's right. Both Bonos. Um, so I I was, gosh, I was in middle school, I think, end of middle school when uh, U2 came out. And I don't know, at the time, I was listening to all kinds of stuff. And I've been into music for, you know, since I was a little kid. I was in bands. I played at school and outside of school. And I've just, I've always been a musician. So I've always been into it. Um, But U2 didn't click for me uh, until I was probably in college. And around college was when I think Zuropa and that Mm -hmm, whole mm kind of thing started to come out and they got a little weirder. And I actually liked that more um, at the time. And, uh, and then no line on the horizon which is like the latest, not the latest, but it was in the this kind of later period. Yeah. That was the first album that I actually really kind of got into from them. But I just had this haunting feeling that my good friend Garrick, if he only knew <laughs> how little I actually knew or followed U2, that he would just oh. be really disappointed. I, no, I wouldn't because, you know, U2 is for everybody. And whether you come to them either later in life or early in life. Uh, and I have my moments too. I, I, I'm i kind of a YouTube nut, but I have, I, but there's people more crazier than I am, but I have my moments. You know, I'll go maybe several months and not listen to any YouTube as well. And, and, okay. and then, so, I, you know, you, it, but, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, even if those out there who don't like you too, that's okay. We'll, we'll forgive you. I think if you don't like you too, it's fine. If you don't like the music, I wish that people could appreciate it for the the beauty of lyrics and yeah. art that it is. Right. So it's it's kind of like if you have a good picture or a good painting, it's like you don't you don't have to be the biggest fan of this particular painting, but at least appreciate the the aspects that went into it yeah 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 because i i i do go through times where i have a friend uh john eastwood john if you're listening we're talking about you um he is a absolute nut about you two goes to any and every concert lived in ireland for a while um i think he might have uh a tattoo of bono on his wow that's on his right butt cheek that, that's um, just just kidding that's an ode that's, to the, to the water war. uh for anyone who knows john uh he does not i to my knowledge have any tattoos of roy orbison 
or <laughs> you to anywhere on his body, specifically his butt cheek. Uh, yeah. But anyway, so so he he absolutely loves you too. You two can do no wrong. And I go back and forth, but there are aspects um, where I just think they just they just lay it out, uh, and and it's it's just utterly it just grips me. So mm-hmm. um, they've had some transcendent moments, right? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Playing the Super Bowl after 9-11, I think was, you know, yeah. things like things like that where it's kind of something just kind of happens, you know, they would they're, maybe they're see. Boston. They had a they had a lot of Boston elevation. Yeah. That was amazing. I went and saw their Pop Mart concert. Oh, wow. You saw the, Pop Mart. In wow. the Astrodome, Astrodome in Houston, Texas. Uh, we were on the catwalk. I'm pretty sure sweat, Bono's sweat fell Ooh, on me. Wow. Uh, so I've been christened and, and that makes me special. No, 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 but you two, I actually had a, have you guys ever seen the conversation between Bono and Andrew Peterson? Those, that, those sets of videos. Eugene, Eugene Peterson, Eugene right? Peterson, not yeah, Andrew yeah. Peterson. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. I just saw it like two weeks ago. Yeah. So deep. Uh, I, I, at one point, was hoping that Bono and Eugene Peterson would do a Psalms album together. Because uh, Bono just, you know, Psalm 40 is absolutely one of my, it's one of their more lesser known songs, but I, it's like the only song I know on the guitar. Um, anyway, great music. But Danny, you're reading, you're reading or listening to Bono's, Bono's book? Yeah, I just completed it. Um, and that, that set me, so I'll say that in my journey of maturation in appreciating (laughs) you two, and at some point we'll have an episode on another Mm -hmm. one that I'm even further behind in terms of maturation, which also will greatly disappoint Garrick, which is Nickelback, which is, uh, (laughs) uh, yeah. Um, no, the uh, the other one is uh, Dylan. Yeah, Dylan yeah. is yeah, another one that I need. I'm going to need some help. I'm going to need some help on on uh, on growing into Dylan. Yeah, but I started my path towards getting closer to you two with the Rabbit Trails podcast. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I noticed was when you would just Garrick, you would just interject. A, a lyric or something that was applicable to what you guys were talking about. Mm-hmm. And 99% of the time, the lyric that you were interjecting was from a song that I had no idea had any spiritual context mm-hmm. to it at all. You'd jump in and say, oh yeah, well in, you know, Vertigo. And I'd be like, I thought Vertigo was about like a guy and a girl dancing in a club. Like, and somehow that's a, you know, song about sanctification or something. And you just interject that. So that got me kind of into it. And then I read the book and the Mm -hmm. book might be one of the most amazing like experiences I've had with like a, with a, with a book Mm -hmm. because for a variety of reasons, but one of them, I was telling somebody the other day, you know, it's a, it's a phenomenally well-written book. I mean, he is an incredibly articulate and actually gifted writer. You see that in lyrics and poetry, but but his prose, so to speak, is actually really good. So he's had this phenomenal life. He's done a lot of amazing things. He's got an incredible 
um, story. He reads the book in the audio version, which is the one that I did. But then he also, in the end of all that, he also happens to be the lead singer of like the world's biggest rock band. So there's all kinds of stories about being in a really super cool rock band. And that book, Barrett, like really kind of took me over the edge. And I started looking for videos like this interview with Eugene Peterson and those guys. And uh, his spirituality specifically comes up all the time in the book, all the time. So it's a phenomenal read. How does it, how does it come up? Would it, what are, what's one thing that stood out to you? Well, he taught, you know, he, it's funny because this, this is one of those things with you two that I, part of the reason that I think I struggled when I was, I went to a Christian university, uh, Azusa Pacific out there mm -hmm. in California. Mm -hmm. And cool. I had a business, business law class that I was taking. And one day the professor brings in a guy, guest speaker, and it turns out that guy, he introduces him as like the tour manager for U2 or something. Like he worked for U2. And this was in the uh, early 90s. Mm -hmm. And it was a business law class. So he wanted this guy to talk about kind of the legal kind of, you know, parameters around uh, a rock show. And he thought it would be interesting that, you know. And... So he says to the class, does anybody have any questions for him? And the first guy raises his hand, again, Christian college, first guy raises his hand. So uh, does the band like pray before their gigs? And, you know, have you seen them pray? And the manager's like, uh, yeah, I've seen them do that. But, you know, again, I'm the tour manager. I'm not really involved in that stuff. So, <laughs> you know, that's, you know, that's their own personal thing. And then the second question comes up. Yeah, are they are they really Christians in your mind? Do you really think they're Christians? And very quickly, the guy wanted to move away from confirming or, or not confirming their faith. And he wanted to talk about business. And all the members of this class wanted to do the entire time was basically confirm whether or not they were Christians or not. Mm. So it felt like there was always this like undercurrent with them yeah. of like, are they really believers? Are they really, you know, and this book, to me, um, he brings up all kinds of examples like growing up, going to having a Catholic father and a Protestant mother and growing up in high school, being a part of, I guess, kind of a, a little bit of a charismatic kind of home church movement in Dublin and how that kind of shaped uh, his relationships and how three of the four original guys, him and Edge and Adam, uh, sorry, him, Edge and the drummer, Larry, mm -hmm. were, you know, fairly devout when they started the band. And his, and his girlfriend, now wife of 40 years, who he met the same week he started, they started the band. Wow. Um, they, she was also, she was from this, you know, similar movement. So he he just he he just every single story uh, he seemed to weave in his faith in some capacity. Now that's a great topic then to discuss, right? Which is, you know, he's clearly on the he, some of his lyrics and some of those things are clearly on the outside. We would say of like, and you guys had a great episode in the Rabbit Trails where you talked about art and the, you know, the purpose of art and the overt 
Christian versus, you know, so we can talk about that. But mm-hmm. he, he just, he, that first story, Barrett, to answer your question, that first story was very early on in the book. And it was really kind of the foundation, I think, that he referred back to throughout the book quite a lot. Mm-hmm. I actually used just kind of what you were talking about. Recently, I was talking to some young first year green missionaries who've come over to Spain and I was talking to them. I actually used kind of from what you were telling me about, you know, the, and the idea of the surrender, right? Uh, Cause that's, I think that's really what the book is about. It's about him yeah. surrendering to love, surrendering to God throughout his career. And, and t- talking about that's, it's not the only thing about the Christian life, but it's a lot of the Christian life, right? Is us surrendering to, to Christ, surrendering to our, to, to God in, in spite of ourselves. So God can be more in us, great, greater in us. And that's really missions too, as a core of missions. And so I, I, I and I, I, there's so many times I, I've in his music where there is this concept of surrender of, you know, wh- whether it's in vertigo, your love is teaching me how to kneel, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think you're right. You know, when I would first listen to vert, that song vertigo, I go, Oh, well this, it was, you know, you got to really get into the lyrics to really go, Oh wait, he's, he's talking about, his, his, his relationship with God here. Um, you know, he's, there's, and you know, the, and, and what you do find with a lot of YouTube songs is, is with his writing, there tends to be a pattern and there's a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of fault lyrics that are falling to my knees. A lot of, a, a lot of lyrics where surrender or submission comes up. Um, and, and sure it could be interpreted in light of a romantic relationship or uh you know, some type of relationship, but I find in, in most, most times it has two levels, at least, you know, God, and then maybe, you know, so it's, I think it's very fascinating to hold this, this whole thing. So I've, I've been, uh, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, I'm been, so this might be a good segue, but I'm finishing a, a book similar in nature. Uh, maybe it might be, it's, it's been kind of eye opening for me to read this, this book by Nick Cave, Faith, Hope mm. and Carnage. And uh, so he's a he's an interesting guy because he 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 writes a lot about Jesus, and I think he recently would say he's really become a Christian, right? But he's still you know a little bit. He's definitely not in an evangelical world, but he he. So so maybe this is a good place to start too, as we talk about our this idea, because I think what what the three of us have is this fascination with music, right? At some level, mm-hmm. and the and 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 he has some interesting things to say. So if 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 if, if you allow me. Sorry, what what was his name? Nick Cage. Nick Cave. He's he's an oh Cage. Austra- I think he said Cave, Nick yeah. Cage. Oh no like- no no Nick Cave. He's a, different uh, different wow. guy. Yeah, different guy. But anyway, so movies. This is a <laughs> book. He, he was a, basically a, a series of interviews he did with a writer during COVID, and and it had come he, after his son, his fifteen year old son had died, like uh, passed away on, in an accident, mm-hmm. uh, like maybe I think two thousand nineteen, and so it's kind of a culmination of a lot of his life and he, you know he's he'd been a drug addict he's you know he, he's he's not a he's not coming from a classical uh you know life although you know he has interesting interesting background anyway so just i'll, I'll read a few things here that i think are helpful because he has a very specific view on on song and so he says um he says atheism has to be bad for the business of making music it has to put you at a distinct disadvantage because it's a kind of narrowing of options and a denial of the fundamental sacred dimension of music. It's just very limiting in my experience. People, most many people will of course disagree, although I tend to think most musicians have more time for these spiritual considerations 
because when they make music, when they lose themselves in music, fall deep inside it, they encounter such strong intimations of the divine. Of all things, music can lift us closer to the sacred. And then he, he kind of goes on. Uh, let's see, there's another, I think, very interesting quote. Because, uh, uh, where'd it go? Here we go. No, he says, no, I think music can have a way of influencing the heart in a righteous way that enables us to do better, to be better, especially when the songs get played live. Collectively, we can experience the music actually improving the condition of the listener. I see it all the time. I experience it myself as well. It's a very real thing. I think music, especially live music, has the ability to lift us up to our higher selves. In the collective moment of a performance, people are united by the music that in and of itself has a moral force. It can have a supremely positive influence on a person and their relationship with other people. Our better selves are made up of a collection of transitory experiences that have elevated us spiritually, music being potentially the most transcendent and necessary of that shared experience. If we, if we are deprived of transcendent experiences, we grow smaller, harder, less tolerant. So, so, so when I read that, I go, he's talking about worship music in a sense, you know, mm -hmm. but, but he's also talking about music, the power of, of song. Uh, so what do you, so as I, we, as we kind of gone from you two to Nick Cave and that, what, what does that resonate with you guys? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, hold on. Okay. I had muted myself to eat some uh, of the wonderful um, Spanish snack mix that we have in this beautiful country. Um yeah, so so Jordan Peterson recently said that uh, he often will point out, um, and I'm probably alienating half of the people that will listen to us by even mentioning the name Jordan Peterson and probably endearing myself to half the people, but be that as it may. Uh, broken clocks are right twice a day. Let's give the guy some credit. Uh, so so anyway, so he, he will often say that uh, music is a worshipful experience, that that there's especially live music. So he won't just say a recording, but he'll say going when there is uh, a co uh, a coincidence, a coincidence of, um, of both energy of people of it's euphoria, it's emotion, it's language, it's, it's beat, it's rhythm. It's, it's all of those things. And I, I would agree. The interesting thing to me, um, so I grew up, I grew up very in a very charismatic church. I'm not sure I would have called myself charismatic, but, and, uh, where the, uh, did you, were you guys familiar with the documentary Hell's Bells? Oh man. No, oh, no, man. I know that so uh, there's an ACDC song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know that one. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so this was, this was on the fundamentalist fringe, American right of which was kind of keep your kids away from this dirty rock music, uh, mm -hmm. YouTube being one of them because there's all sorts of messages. And basically it went off of the idea that Lucifer was uh, an angel of music uh, that somewhere in some charismatic thought that that he was in charge of worship and therefore uh, music was how he, you know, brought people in. Uh, I just happen to think that God has made us to be worshipful people and music is something that we worship mm -hmm, with. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it's a, it's a godly thing. So anyway, so my, my 
terrible upbringing in that regard, uh, my exposure to those things notwithstanding. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not sure I know how to properly... uh, Music helps me to orient my heart and my soul to -hmm. God. It helps me Mm -hmm. discover emotions. It helps me put words to feelings that I've been unaware of. Um, so it, it helps me because I don't, I don't feel things very well. Uh, so it helps me to engage with those, those parts of who I am. Uh, and so the, the artist who is obviously, uh, sometimes people are, or artists are very almost tortured beings, but their torture becomes a, a balm for my soul. Uh, but yeah, I, I would, I would agree with everything cave mm-hmm. said. Uh, I think he's right. I think he's, yeah. I, interestingly <laughs> enough, I was listening to Todd Snyder today and somehow Todd Snyder would say almost similar things, even though he's a raging atheist. Right. I mean, like, like he, is he an atheist though? He kind of, he, he used to, he has he, some Christian songs actually. Yeah. He's got some it's, funky, he's got some funky theology. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he's not, he has some, he has some, <laughs> some questions for God, let's say. Yeah. Uh, which That's is, fair. Hey, fine. Uh, have questions for God. But anyway, so, but I think he would, he would look at music as a transcendental exercise in and of itself. Okay. Well, Danny, you're, you're, so you're a musician. You said yeah. you, you play and have played in, in bands. <clears throat> um, how would you, inter- I mean, when you look at music and, and obviously we would say music could be used for bad stuff. It doesn't have to be, but I think what we're maybe saying here is like, there, there are some great songs or great music or great moments that are positive, right? Or, or something that we can. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I had a friend in college who took um, a art, uh, what was it called? Philosophy of art class. And he was describing to me how music of all the art forms, music is actually the only art form that is not a representation of anything. So, so acting mm. Ooh. is uh-huh. is pretending to be another person. Uh-huh. Painting is a representation of something that you're that you're looking at, mm-hmm. and even if it's incredibly abstract, it's still a representation of something. Even dance is trying to show a certain thing. Music is the only thing that is, you could say, 100% ephemeral. There Mm -hmm. is no, there is no physical representation of what music actually Mm -hmm. is, Mm -hmm. right? So I think that historically, the early you know, the early, uh, even people who absolutely have no faith whatsoever would be a thousand percent convinced that Bach was a Mm. Christian and was writing music for God, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, every book, I've read several of them, every book about Bach mentions his deep faith and he wrote music about God. And except for the choral stuff that he did, 90% of it has no words in it. Mm-hmm. But he and others would have told you that is 1000% uh, Christian music because mm-hmm. it is music that was inspiring him 
And it was something that he was giving uh, to God. And it's become um, maybe something throughout history that we feel like, well, we need to make music represent, if it's going to be Christian or if it's going to represent some faith thing, then it has to be hyper representative, mm-hmm. right? It needs mm-hmm. to be the equivalent of like paintings that can't be surrealist or can't be even expressionist, right? The Monet paintings that people said, well, that doesn't quite really look like a flower. It's because they were used to paintings that looked exactly like a flower. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like some of the Christian stuff of which Barrett, to your point, I love modern Christian music. I love it. I listen to it all the time. Worship music. I listen to it all the time. Um, but I'm coming around to some of this other stuff, like the U2 stuff that is not overtly um, saying something, uh, and even the instrumental stuff, and finding God in those things. And it's mm-hmm. actually expanding my, you know, kind of God-shaped hole, if you will, of trying to find him in these other things, because if he's the creator of all these things, then he's got, there's got to be a, a, um, a scent or a remnant of him mm-hmm. in all of it. Right. So I've experienced that throughout my life, throughout my life in, mm-hmm. you know, in re- extremely overt ways and in other less, you know, tangible ways for sure. Yeah. And I think it's something Nick Cave says in his, his, this book as well. He says, in fact, he says a song doesn't have to be explicitly religious to have transcendent qualities. And I, I think that's, I think that's something we, uh, you know, I, I've had to figure too, cause I, I grew up very similar. Like if it's not Christian by Christians, it's not, but we don't, you know, and I, I've said this before, but we don't go, well, it, my, my accountant is it, he's not a Christian accountant, so I can't hire him to do, you know, that's uh, so it's like having an account, but you, you, you know what I mean? Like, uh, we, we don't only hire Christian plumbers. I mean, maybe some people do, but, and, and being a Christian plumber doesn't make you a better plumber per se or accountant or whatever, but we tend to do that with music a little bit more than we do. I mean, we don't even do that with art. I mean, we would do it with, you know, we still will go see, you know, works by Goya and whoever, but, but um, if we, I think you hit on it, Danny. If we believe in the 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 common grace, if we believe in that all humans are made in the image of God, then there's then in art and in creativity, there is a yearning for God. There should be, and there should be a hint of God in in most things. Obviously, I want to go back again to there is bad. You know, like I would go with Swedish death metal is probably, you know, not something that we're going to get much out of. But, but um. But a lot of other music, I, I think, yes. I, I, even even Swedish death metal, right? I mean, I don't like it. I don't want to listen to it. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I it's just not my thing, right? Um, but like one of my favorite, I, I was listening. I was reading a post from a friend who used to be a pastor in College Station, Texas. He started this incredible uh, ministry in College Station called On Ramp, which helps uh, people who need cars get cars and uh, it's really cool uh but it helped him get out of a severe severe depression uh while he was a pastor and um his absolute favorite song is um hurt 
by Johnny Cash and before that recorded yeah. by Troy Resnick. Trent and Reznor. Trent Reznor, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um and th- that song is incredibly powerful. But it's not overtly Christian. It's just about struggle of depression, of the depths of it, of, of mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And then yet my my friend, for him, in view of the gospel, it has become a very worshipful song for him because it's it, it it's a true song. It's a true yeah. representation of pain, sorrow, depression. So in some way, I think I think the best music tends to be a snapshot of some vignette of life mm-hmm. to Ooh. mix to mix metaphors. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I think too often music is evaluated as did it encompass all of life and the trajectory of the of the of the eschaton in and three and like, a half minutes in three yeah. and a half minutes yeah. right and yeah. it's like I'm not sure that that's what we needed like and, and especially sometimes this is this would be an interesting thing to talk about um, the lost art of album building oh yeah. Uh, Albums used to have an idea that was coherent or oftentimes didn't necessarily be that, but now, you know, you'd have a single on there that you, okay, this is going to be the one song that, you know, it's going to hit big, hopefully on the radio. But at the end of the day, like the album was trying to work together as a unit Mm -hmm. and you might have a message through that, the entirety of that album, something U2 still does. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I, I think, the the best the best music and if we look at it for what it is what is it saying about that one particular thing so in some sense like when we sit down to read an essay on i don't know spanish wine we we allow that essay the creative freedom to just talk about any particular part of the world of spanish wine but we don't expect it to talk about jamon or greek wine because that's not what the author is trying to do, right? Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think music, if we come to it with that approach, then it can be this just incredibly beautiful thing. Even some of the bad artists, you know, like it's like, well, they make it a point, you know, um, and it can be incredibly powerful, incredibly worshipful, even if they're not a particularly Christian person, like Trent Reznor. If you, if you. If you take that vignette idea and you apply it to Jesus's life, if somebody asked Jesus to write a three and a half minute song about the time when he turned over the tables in the temple court, mm. what would that song sound like? Be punk. That's right. Yeah. It sound like the Stooges. Right? Right? It yeah, probably yeah. sound like it might sound a little bit like Swedish death metal without yeah. the Swedes. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> Jewish, yeah. Jewish yeah. Swedish death metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, no, it's a, it's a good point. There's so, anger, right? Righteous yeah. anger, frustrations. You know, searching for justice. You know, which is angry. It should be angry. Yeah, and that you know, it's funny. I was I was listening to of all things the uh, an interview of the '80s pop bands that are still in my view um you know they're they're they sort of transcended the the um i don't know kind of the the plasticky thing 
um, is, uh, is a band called, uh, Pet Shop Boys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they, their lead singer was actually bemoaning this, this actual fact that today's pop, the, the songs, they seem to, the, the, the writers seem to feel that the songs have to be about the singer. So they have mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. these stories about their own personal experience mm-hmm. or their yeah. personal life. And gone are the days of songs being, you know, Johnny Cash didn't, you know, probably do a fair amount of the things that he sings about. And that, by the way, is a whole episode, right? The the outlaw. I know you guys are kind of outlaw country mm-hmm. uh, or what is it? Is that what it's? Yeah, well, outlaw country, independent yeah, yeah. singer, songwriter, Texas country. Yeah. There, there's so lots that, of genres that whole there. world, right? there's a storytelling Mm -hmm. element to that, that you talk about transcendence, the actual story itself is transcendent, right? It's, it's, it's coming out of our everyday experience. Sting is another Mm -hmm. person that comes to mind who's a pop artist, but does these vignettes bear it to your point, but about different Mm -hmm. things that he, he isn't necessarily experiencing, right? As far as we know, um, he was never a stalker. As far as we but know. But he wrote a heck of a song about one. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But Bono mentioned that in his in his book, the whole, uh-huh. and I didn't know this, but that whole Pop Mart tour was intended to be like a satire, yeah. like mm-hmm. the entire time, right? Which I didn't, I didn't know. I, I took so much of their stuff at face value and didn't look even one click below that. And I just thought at the time, I was in college, I think, and I thought at the time, oh, now they're trying to be hip and relevant and, yeah. you know, Euro, whatever. And there, it turns out, he was kind of making fun of that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was fascinating because I, I was the same way. It took me a while to figure out. And and, I, and, I, and to be to be honest, I think that's good art. It, 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 you had to wrestle with it, right? And 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 now it's still good art because now we're able to we've figured it out. It took us a while. I mean, it took me a while, and it you know, but because it did feel like wait, what? You guys went from the Joshua Tree, which was you know very earnest, very serious, very clear, to Octung Baby, Zuropa Pop, which were great albums. And when you read the lyrics, you're like, wait, these guys are still saying the same thing they used to, but everything looks, you know, I mean, they were they were prophetically you know, talking about postmodernism, like this world where there's, it's a lot of noise and flash and bang and, but, and they're saying, but underneath all this, there's, there's something there you get, you got, but you got to look, it's going to be harder to see the truth in the future, which is the world we're living in. Right. I mean, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of Instagram. He meant, he actually, <laughs> he actually has this great quote in there because he refers to that period as the importance of not being earnest. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, he's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So, okay. So I've got a question for, cause we, you know, this is, this is, a, this is a kickoff episode. If and this feels like it's a go, it's, it's been a good episode. Uh, I but, hope but so. What, so, I, but I, so I've got a, I've got an idea. So I don't know what, but what you guys were thinking of using this, this time, but I, I was, what if we, rotated a song like not a one song but each you know each time we we came we one of us picked a song beforehand we have to listen to it a little bit before 
kind of reflect on it. And then we, maybe we, and then maybe, maybe do a little research, you know, a little Wikipedia. Cause every, cause I think that's a great, what, one thing I love about songs is that, that, that a lot of songs don't, ex, they don't exist in a vacuum. I mean, if, if you're, if you pick it up and listen to it, it's a great song. It's a great song, but there's a history there. There's, there's things that influenced it. There's, it, it did something. So what if we did that? And then we, we spent like, you know, a little time talking about that song or two songs or something, or maybe an album. We can even do it an album too. We don't have to, state stick with song but something something like that does that sound like kind of interesting and just talk around yeah. love it that's all nickelback love it <laughs> you get you can have all the nick <laughs> so we have all, all the nickelback <laughs> that'll be the week that um danny and i are not able to make it and you can that's just right. talk it's about just, nickelback. Monologue. <laughs> we're talking about how I, awesome I can't even think are. of a i can't even think of a nickelback song oh, what, what songs did they i i don't remember what you'd recognize that? them if you heard yeah. them, right? but, but they weren't bad songs but no but they're kind I mean, of they're famous the now for it being was, disliked was, right yeah yeah. yeah yeah well they had yeah. basically the same song every song was the same song yeah. at the end of the day uh who was it was it oh there's a hollywood actor uh, Samuel L. Jackson, because he's just he just does tons of stuff. The guy's yeah. always working. I think he's the highest grossing actor of all time. Yeah. And so someone was asking wow. him, why do you, you know, why did you do whatever movie it was? And I think it might have been, I don't remember what movie it was, but he I think he died early in the movie. Um, you know, it wasn't a great movie, all this stuff, artistically speaking. And uh, he goes, Well, I have a house in Andalusia because of that because of that movie so he's like you tell me uh anyway that's Nickelback right I mean don't you know hey look the guys made a good living uh musically anyway maybe they don't belong on this podcast but uh except to be a foil for for which to uh throw them under the bus and and keep driving on um I'll I'll choose different I'll I'll choose someone else do something good yeah they're easy to insert Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just need um, a joke, you know. No, I, Garrick, I think it's a great idea. Let's, yeah. let's, uh, I love let's it. roll with it. Uh, and we can, uh, w- when when the when the desire hits us, we can we we can bring this up and do it again. I like. It. So I will I will I will give you guys fair warning that mine might not have words in it. Will you that's, oh yeah, win? yeah. I think that's even. I think if it could be challenging, I think that'd be that'd be awesome. Yeah, all right. Like Very that, cool. Because that would make me have to, you know, I, I I like to listen to to some jazz, right? Like uh, John John Coltrane, a little. But it's it's something I I I don't like it. I I like jazz, but I don't understand it yet. So mm-hmm. I, I so I think it would be really good to pick something that would be more instrumental and have to to uh, for me to it would be stretching because I'm not it's not my I'm, I was a literature major, so I, the you know words, you know, and 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 that ability to um, take words and music and make make something out of it, I think, is incredible. But I think what is is really mysterious to me is just using music to make something and 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 and, awesome. and, and conveying meaning and and emotion through that. I think that's or are, are either of you? appreciative or do you have a a a rap lane in your in Mm -hmm. your in okay great i would love i would love to have discuss some some rap artists that yeah uh, because i don't i don't it's not necessarily my cup of tea but i know that who was it that i was listening to the other day i have a friend from 
from university, actually a roommate. Um, and uh, he actually teaches uh, rap classes in um, Cincinnati. And he has incredible thoughts on rap and music and different mm -hmm. stuff. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, Wally Hart. Uh, so yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool. You know what also might be interesting? Um, getting uh, Glenn Kreider on this oh, yeah. podcast. He uses, uh, he's a professor at Dallas Seminary. He uses a ton of music in his um, yeah in his uh, classes. Sometimes up to two or three songs per you know kind of unit or whatever. Um, but he also leads a uh, a seminary course where they go to South by Southwest and they talk about the music and talk about the currents of what they're seeing and and different stuff like that. He would be yeah. he'd be a fascinating guy to have on because he has a deep appreciation for it and then if you know hey if we could get someone like andrew peterson or uh can't think of his name lead singer of switchfoot y'all know who i'm talking about i know i know who you're talking about i can I see know the band face. he it's is uh oh why can't i think of his name he is brilliant mm -hmm. uh he really is brilliant uh mr foot yeah we should we should just uh we should Switchy. just you know Switchy. swing for this swing for the fences and see who, yeah. will, who will come on and, and maybe we'll get a uh you know holiday and lounge singer you never you never know <laughs> we probably know a few musicians right i mean yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah so oh yeah i love i love garrick your point about the the so genre wise i think if you are if you are to be a true music aficionado you have to be able to find several, you have to be able to name several favorite tunes in every imaginable yeah. genre. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, so. I think you have to have a breadth, you know, a pretty, a pretty wide breadth of, I mean, because I, 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 I like pretty much anything as long as it's good. Now I do go deeper in some areas than others for yeah. sure. So that's where I'll need your guys' help in some of the Texas stuff that you guys are into. Um, but uh, you mentioned uh, like rap and hip hop, Barrett, um, you know, again, going back to our friend Bono in that book, he, he kind of equates a lot of American hip hop to the a later version of what kind of the punk movement was mm -hmm. in in england mm -hmm. right it's that same kind of anti-establishment it's that same kind of vibe um and that has so that's what's interesting to me is that kind of undercurrent of of um you know, you can call it whatever you're motivated by, whether it's faith or it's sociopolitical or whatever, but there's that undercurrent goes throughout even the jazz stuff that we're, that we can look at too. You know, some of those, some of those early guys were, um, you know, were kind of taking their lives into their own hands by, by actually playing this, this music at the time it was, you know, today you put it on, and you're considered classy and, yeah, you know, yeah. a little bit kind of in, a man of the world and, and such. But in their day, it was like, this was the, this was what the crazy, you know, the, the crazy people listened to. And it was very, you know, it was very controversial with its African kind of yeah. uh, mm -hmm. uh, core polyrhythms and these kinds of things. It was, it was co very controversial. 
Oh, I'll turn you on to that stuff for sure. Yeah, no, I would Good. love that. That would be great because um, I have appreciation for it, but I still haven't quite grasped it like the way. Yeah. What, uh, it's Danny, interesting what, what, how how the deeper you get into something, the more you end up appreciating, or at least I'm a yeah. context guy. So the yeah. more context I can get, because I have a a few jazz playlists that I listen to when I'm trying to get work done. If um, I'm just kind of in the mood, you know, certain things strike me, but I, I couldn't tell you what's going on or I'm, I'm woefully ignorant, um, but it does help a good cup of coffee. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> You started to say something, Eric. No, I was just saying, what uh, what instruments do you play? Oh, gosh. Actually, when I was a kid, I learned. Uh, so I actually went to a school, an elementary and middle school that had a phenomenal music program. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they taught all of us the recorder. If you guys, mm -hmm. I'm sure you guys probably had a class or two, music yeah. class or two where you were forced to play the recorder. And I actually really liked it and I got good at it. And I ended up learning to play the different, like you probably didn't know that there were like, like the, I forget what the current recorder that everyone uses is, but it's like an alto or something, but there was like a tenor and a bass oh, wow. recorder. Yeah. There's all these other, you know, so I learned how to play all those. And then in middle school, I played bass. I played electric bass uh, and I played in the jazz band at the mm -hmm. school. Oh, and wow. that was kind of this wacky, you know, we didn't really know what we were doing, but the, the, you know, the teacher was, you know, he flailed his arms a lot. That must mean something. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, throughout high school, I mainly played bass and I played guitar and I sang and I played in a few different bands. Uh, and then after that, I kind of got into synthesizers and doing that kind of thing. Uh, and so learned a little bit of piano a uh, little bit of drums. Um, so I'm not like really good at any instrument. I'm good enough that I can kind of put together like musical pieces. And that's mm -hmm. actually what I like doing. It's mm -hmm. not my job, right? I do other things, but I like to escape to kind of this world of like putting, you know, things together and having mm -hmm. it, having it just please me. And I try to make stuff that I've never heard before. That's the that's the thing that's exciting uh, to me. So have do you guys know what any level of musical kind of experience? I, I, piano played, the lessons? I played the clarinet for a couple of years in junior high. Um, yeah. But I then it got too, actually. Yeah. yeah. But then it got, it kind of got in the way of, of some other things I was doing and mainly sports stuff. So I kind of, I let, you know, you had to, it was hard to do both, especially in a, in a, in a band in a junior high or going into high school. So I, I gave up the, uh, the clarinet and I, I, that, so, you know, that was kind of my, my, you know, my wife plays piano and our kids play piano. We, we've always try to keep, you know, kind of music, at least learning something about music. So, but I didn't, you know, I wish I'd learned to play guitar and maybe I still have dreams of picking it up and trying to, trying to learn a little bit. It's never too late. Yeah. It's never too late. I do. I do not play. All the musical genes were handed to my brother uh, when they were being delved out in the Harkins family, and uh, they were passed on from my from my father to my oldest brother. And then, um, what was bestowed on me was the ability to play uh, Spotify. Yeah, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really, really good at playing Spotify. Spotify. Yeah, I was once told in college um, when trying to learn the guitar. Yeah, you really shouldn't do that. Ooh. <laughs> it was, wow. it was, it was pretty bad 
Uh, I don't, I think the guy was joking, but I took it personal. Uh, I still, I, I'll pick up, we have a guitar here at the house and I'll pick up and kind of fiddle around with it and I enjoy it. But, uh, it's actually on my, on my, um, I have a life giving list and, uh, stopping and just, uh, picking at the guitar is, uh, is a life giving thing. Uh, I always enjoy it when I do it, but I don't, I don't find myself particularly, uh, skilled or, leaning that direction even so you mentioned andrew peterson did you yeah. did you read his um what's it called praying in the, or i have it here uh yeah it's kind of a memoir or kind of like his philosophy yeah. of writing yeah i have Adorning not but the dark yes okay i am that is a Excuse me, guys, while we're sitting here talking, I'm going to text my wife because my mother-in-law was asking for Christmas present ideas, and that's what I want. Uh, yeah, no, I really want to read that um, uh, book. That one's a that one's a great one. He he talks about writing, but he talks about music, and it it's kind of his thing on art and the you know. And he brings up in that book, this kind of collective, uh, it's got the word, actually, I think it's got the word rabbit in it. Yeah, it's the uh, rabbit. What's that called? Rabbit den, rabbit, rabbit hole, rabbit. Yeah, what? It's one, it, yeah, it's something like that. But it's like this group of, of yeah. kind of Christian artists that get together, you know, rabbit room. Rabbit Room. That's a rabbit is. room. Oh, cool. Yeah. So yeah, actually, his fiction came out of that. Um, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, he's he's just a wickedly talented dude. Um, yeah, I he went, mentions in the book that whole when he his like when he got his break, um, uh, opening for Cademan's Call. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I love uh, those that whole experience. They just came out with a new album. Did they really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, after whatever ten years or something, some yeah, it's been a while. Crazy hiatus. Wow. They just kind of got back, or some of them got back I, together and did a new album. I always thought uh, Derek Webb was a fantastic songwriter. Uh, he's taken a turn for the meh in life, uh, but um, but he still probably writes fantastic songs. He has a perceptive. Um, He's a little bit of a prophet. He he likes to call out things is kind of where his his things tend to be. So he he can see things for the hypocrisy that they are. But he's a talented, talented writer. While we're on the topic, Mako Fujimura. Yeah. He's I don't know if you guys have seen any of his stuff. Yeah. His last book is one that I read. It's called Art and Faith. He's got an amazing story, Japanese American. Um, and uh, he's been an artist his whole life. And that that book, um, he he, if you've heard of um, if you've heard of Christians who describe kind of their their participation um, in uh, you know, sort of, you can call them environmental causes, but from a Christian perspective, they're kind of looking at it as, you know, do, doing our part to restore 
you know, to, ha- to, to help, help God along, so to speak, in the process of restoring the creation. And they call it creation care. Mm-hmm. He's got a version of that, which he calls culture care. Mm, and it's the, yeah. and it's his, um, you know, you can call it theology basically for applying kind of that. And he's, he's got a, we can talk about this later, but you guys mentioned it in one of your podcasts. He, he has a whole thing about um, forcing art to be utilitarian. Um, mm. And you guys touched on it. I remember in one of the podcasts where, um, you know, we can even read the Bible in a, in a similar way, right? And we can avoid the parts that are either poetic or the parts that are some sort of metaphor or something and we really just need it to be a blueprint and a how-to manual um and he he kind of he kind of paints that whole thing as a a utilitarian viewpoint and in art i think we kind of started with this in art it ends up being well the song i remember driving with my son and he played for me a song that he that he was into and then, and it was kind of a folk thing. And I thought, oh, well, I'm going to play him one that I just heard. And I started the song and he said, is this a Christian song? And I thought, well, what's the answer to that really? Like, is there any other genre of music that is defined by the general topic that is discussed in mm-hmm. the lyrics? Is there any other genre of music that is defined like that? Because Christian music, if you go Spotify, Barrett, you can use your talent there and go to Spotify Spotify (laughs) and go through all of the Christian music. It sounds like all kinds of stuff, right? There's hip hop, there's electronic, there's whatever, right? It's reversed. But it's all Uh Christian, Uh right? As far as Spotify and the rest of us are concerned, right? Yeah. So why? what is it about our kind of world of music that it is defined by what it talks about uh-huh. well, so, so so i think that's it would a great be interesting, point that's a great i think point. it would be interesting to figure out uh who decided to do that was it industry folk or was it christians who were like nope we're not that we're, we're christian because in growing up you know the waters i swam in were well, is it Christian? Okay, then it's okay. Mm, yeah. Uh, you know, but other things were off limits. So like U2 was not particularly, you know, viewed well in some of the circles that I would have I would have been around. It was, you know, very, ooh, they're, you know, they wear leather. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, and, and, and yet here uh yeah i don't know so yeah so i i think that'd be a fascinating to find out yeah. why did it get classified as christian and why did we allow ourselves to decide to be pigeonholed uh yeah. in in that way and then you have the artists who are trying not to be classified as such so you two switchfoot is this weird kind of crossover but there's other bands yeah lots of bands. Uh, pod yeah yeah that's thrash, true. Thrash metal. yeah thrash rap yeah um, and then there's these, there, but but I think you two did open this world up um, to people to be able to just make good music and be Christians, but be just Christians in a band, right? Not a 
Christian band. I um there's a there's a band called the Gaslighting Anthem, which were kind of a punk band out of New Jersey, and their their lead singers are Christian. And he uh so he's still got a kind of a solo career, but he he put out a Christmas album last year. It's really good, kind of a folk, you know, but it's got it's it's interesting because he's Brian Fallon, he's a well-known, you know, kind of punk folk kind of guy, but he's got this Christian album and uh he's he's he threw the blessing on there, you know. Really? But, yeah, yeah, but you wouldn't know now he's a believer. I've seen, you know, him talking about going to church, you know, and you know, and then uh, you know, so it's interesting. And there's there's a guy another guy I came across recently named David Ramirez. He's like a Texas guy. Yeah, I know David and Ramirez. Yeah, so he his song, his music's not Christian, but he's a believer and he has a he has an album called Backslider, and it's all uh interpretations of stuff like Be Thou My Vision and but you know, <laughs> kind of Texas folk, yeah. Um, yeah, he says your your agent hates it when you call up and go, Hey, I want to make a Christian gospel album. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, so there's, what, there's, what, interesting, what, there's an interesting world out there of, of stuff that's yeah. going around, like it's those, 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 those barriers are, are start are falling down or have fallen down, or uh, you know, still people want to put them up. And, and, and I don't think there's nothing wrong with like good worship music, I think there's no. it's great that we have people oh. making incredible and writing. I have a friend who writs great. You know worship music and it's. I love it. But we need, we I need love it. it. But I do think, but there's it. a difference between saying worship music and saying Christian music, right? Worship describes a type of music, but Christian yeah. describes the. It, it, it's it's reverse. It's reverse from how we we do it. Yeah. We should be doing. It. I love worship music, and like I said, I incorporate it into my almost my daily routine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and but I but I use worship music. Yeah, right. Um, but to answer my son's question, you know, if the song, if it's Christian, if Christian means that it's about a certain subject matter. Then and and you take that as the line. Then if the subject matter is about a guy who loves his wife, then is that a Christian subject matter? It's certainly in the Bible. So is that then a Christian song because the guy is talking about loving his wife? Right. Mm-hmm. It, it's got to be more than that. And I think you mentioned it, Garrick. You know, common grace. But you said something to me too that of. Of all these things that I remember from walking with you guys on the Camino, I remember asking you, we were having a conversation a little bit about art, and I remember asking you, I think, Garrick, is it okay to be, you know, uh, a is it okay to be a Christian whose primary calling is to create art? And you, and I remember this, you said, yeah, absolutely. It has to be true. Mm, yeah. And that stuck with me for this obviously this entire time. It's been what three years, four years? Three three years. Three years. Yeah. Um what makes the art true? Mm, yeah. Is something that I've been grappling with, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's easier to answer what is the false thing mm-hmm. or what is the not real thing, but what makes the art true is the thing that I've been grappling with. That is clearly a question for another time, probably well, after we're celebrating yeah, that, Argentina's win in the world cup. Yeah. Big game coming up it is a big game. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a huge, massive subject. Um, it's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And in some sense, yeah, here's the question. What if the Christian artist who's making art, who he views as true, changes his mind 20 years later and says, uh, I view things differently now. Does that negate the art he made previously? Mm-hmm. Right. And I would argue no, but because we have to, I, art, art to me is a, well, in, in music in particular, cause that's what we're talking about, but it, it it's something that has to be experienced. There is, there can be a certain amount of subjectivity to it, but it, but it's something that has to be engaged with. Right. So in the engaging of it, I think something that is no longer maybe seen by an artist is like, well, I don't think I would say it that way today. I still think that that song could be truthfully valid. Uh, like, it's, they're not hermetically sealed, contained yeah. products. Yeah. They're, they're, they're in some sense often cries of the heart and cries of the soul and so somehow even intent i think can be accepted as is truth so there's a mm-hmm. there's a great article by a philosopher nicholas waldersdorf i believe um on the nature of truth mm-hmm. and waldersdorf is a pretty liberal theologian uh or rather philosopher but he he is a believer uh but he he talks about basically truth having the essence of or the more like kind of tra- trajectory of 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 goodness and beauty rather than like propositional truth so like uh you know 2 plus 2 equals 4 that is a truthful statement but truth can be uh, this coffee is good. Mm. Uh, there is a certain amount of interpretation that goes on there, but meaning that this coffee is true could mean that it it has all the properties that are necessary to make up what good coffee is. And therefore, even though it may be lacking on a standard compared to the best coffee ever made, it still is true in that it has the particular characteristics that make up and define what coffee is. Mm-hmm. And so by, by looking at that, we can begin to understand some of these things. So I think somewhere in there is that we can play around with, with, with that for another day, but mm-hmm. sorry, I, I launched into it, but I, I like his, uh, his view of kind of what truth is because it it's much more uh encompassing rather than uh we tend to see truth too often in the west as something which eliminates other things maybe truth is something which opens us up to things as well anyway something worth something worth looking at interesting so finding the truth finding can art be true is the and 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 I would open it up now. This is all predicated, of course, on what Garrick said to me on the he could have been lying, <laughs> right? I, yeah. I still stand by that. I still stand by that. Yeah. Right? Okay. Okay. Good. I still stand okay, by that. Then we'll stick. Then we'll stick with it. We'll stick with it. Yeah. Um, 
but can can it be true or false um and there's a there's a there's a i guess there's kind of a pedestrian way of 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 answering it which is well people make statements that are true or false and so if the statement being made verbally in the song is a statement that is a true statement then that art is true and i suppose that's a simple view of that but is it just that or is there more is there more there yeah right? yeah and 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 so bringing it back to bono uh, where where all roads lead to where all roads at lead least, when, at when least today today uh, he has oh gosh I cannot remember the which song it's on Rattle and Hum but anyway I, I know it because a friend of uh, uh, mine at one point in college we were thinking what if we started a record label because we were thinking there's all these great bands like Cayman's Call that were kind of popping up and they were you know Cayman's Call was kind of a kind of a new thing they were really good you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and their music was it was u2ish you know it was very clearly christian but also that's some stuff and so we were going to call our record label if we which we never got much beyond the idea three chords and the truth from from a, it's a bono lyric i need to i'll have to go look it up later but he mm-hmm. says something like all you need is a red guitar three chords and the truth uh you know that's so, so yeah, there's something there you know right i think that's Maybe that's kind of one of the questions as we look at these songs, like what's true about it, you know? Yeah. What? What? How does it? How does it draw us to truth or you know to that experience of of truth? If, if we can say it that way. I love it. Well, I don't I, think it's too late. I've already for us got to mine start a Record label. I, Is it I not think, too? I, I think I think we I think we could do. I think there's a I think there's a space there where we could we could make CDs. We could do all sorts of stuff. <laughs> Cassettes CDs are coming are back. back. Yeah, cassettes, cassettes are, are back. back. Vinyl's back. Cassettes are back. I mean, it's just, you know. It's-